All right. So, God bless you guys. For those who don't know me, my name is Melody. I am the wife of that man over there. Um, <laughs> his name is CD. Um, I just want to praise the Lord for those who are have been praying for us and partnering with my husband and I with Love Truth International. Um, I praise God because even that word he said, go take possession of what the Lord told you. Many years ago, the Lord had put on my heart to do a girls' conference called Warrior Princess. And it happened, and I was able to testify how God provided the way. We had over 260 people at the event. It sold out. It was a mother-daughter event to really speak into the identity of us, and from our identity comes our, uh, our doing. It's not you do, and then you get your identity. It's no, know who you are first, and then when you know who, who you are, a warrior princess, then you're going to know how to act, and you're going to know what to do. And God did such an amazing work. We had a, about 105 to 110 little girls and their moms and grandmas and stuff. And when they said, um, would you like a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And they shared the gospel. And they said, would you like to be a daughter of the king? Because you're not born a daughter of the king. You become a daughter of the king. And all of the little girls, every 110 were like, they were like, Okay, let's pray. So we were just amazed at what the Lord did. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's give God glory for all the little children that he welcomed into his family. But not only that, as we were ending, I was just like, God, what's your word for these moms? And I was doing the dishes, praying for what, what word do you want to give me? And he's like, Moses' mom. I'm like, I ain't never studied Moses' mom. I don't even know her name, right? So I looked her up, Jehokabed, the glory of God. And the word that the Lord gave me was, here was a woman who lived in a time that the law said, throw your baby in the river. But she defied the law of man and wanted the law of God and said, I will not give my son up to a river to die. But she protected her son and for a certain time, she could only protect him so long. She had to put him in a safe place and give him up, not to drown in a river, but to go somewhere. And God providentially had a plan, and that was Moses. And so that's another message, but I was able to really encourage the moms, let's give, let's protect our children, whatever the law might say, and then there's a certain time we give that child up. And sometimes he brings them right back. And so I just want to praise God for what he did. A friend of mine, he is a professional videographer. He blessed our ministry with a beautiful video. And so I wanted you to see what the Lord did and what you've prayed for and what you invested in. So check this out. Uh, I just praise God. It gives me teary-eyed again. So as people were walking out, they were like, okay, I'll see you next year for next year's conference. I'm like, oh, praise God. I hope that happens. Amen. Yes. Uh, so we are praying for Warrior Princess 2019. And we do want to up the age for teen girls as well. 
And so just be praying for us. Pray for provision. I'm believing God to do an amazing, amazing work next August in 2019. So thank you guys. Amen. That is so awesome. It was great to be there. So many churches came together. We're like 11 or 12 churches. Even more churches that came together to work together and just Jesus showed up. So it was so awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Well, it's so awesome to just, uh, know that God's already showed up this evening, speaking to uh, individuals and to the church. And um, Tonight I'm going to share a little bit. We should be done by 9.45, 10 o'clock. So just hold on tight. Hold on tight. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to pray, and we'll jump into the Word together. You know, when you're having a good time, time flies, right? You don't even notice that it's four hours if you're really in, you know. In <laughs> Father, thank you so much. Uh, you're awesome. Thank you for your goodness, and thank you for <clears throat> just giving me grace tonight to unpack what you put on my heart for your church, your bride. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Lord, we look to you tonight, um, not looking to a man, but to the word of God, to the spirit of God, to speak to us. So we bless you for this time and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> so tonight I want to turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to go into a very interesting topic tonight. It's nothing I've never preached before. Um, I've never, yeah, I've never preached this before. So I'm asking for extra grace tonight to walk through this with you guys. <clears throat> but I believe Jesus wants us, for us to talk about this and rejoice over it. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, if, you, if, you, if then you were raised with Christ, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, seated, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So tonight... Um, but the Lord just really highlight the importance for us to really just dig into this word here that's past tense, died, uh, and then we would dive into it a little bit together. Um, because one of the key things that we do, do struggle with in, in pursuing Jesus, uh, and, and the easiest one of the things that we forget is what happened when we were born again. Uh, it, it came in an instant. You know, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, it was an instant. All these things happened. And one of the things that happened, specifically, was that somebody died. And that's namely you. Uh, when we miss this reality, because this is a new creation reality, we forget that now, even like it says in this passage, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So based on you understanding that you're dead... It should, in a sense, be reflected by the pursuit you have. Because when something is hidden, especially something that's valuable, you're going to search it out. 
When something is in your heart, you are convinced that it's valuable, you're going to spend time searching it out. So it says it's hidden in God. It is in, with Christ in God. But based on the fact that you're dead, it should cause you to have a certain pursuit. Are you following me here right now? So this is why the enemy works so hard for us, works really hard for us to forget this reality, that you died. And it's reflecting God's goodness even. We talked about how God is so good. Because think about it, if it was up to us, we would have never died. We would have said we want to die, and we want to just do what we're supposed to do. But God's like, no, nah, I don't think you're going to be willing to do that. I'm actually going to do it for you. Because if, if, if it's left on your own strength, this was never going to happen. Because the only reason you can actually experience the life of Christ is through a death. The only reason, the only way you can experience the life of Jesus Christ is through someone dying. And that's you. You, you had to die. So just to make sure I'm not making this up, because, you know, it's important. When we preach here and we share the word of God, you want to be able to verify things through scripture, right? And when we get to another passage, it's going to blow you away. Because God even designed a ministry specifically called this for our sake. It's pretty wild. So let's go to Romans 6 first. And we'll go to where we need to go later to really magnify this. This is the passage here that many times is used for baptism. Romans 6, verse 2. It says, um, I'm going to start verse 1. Now, this is a little bit, I mean, obviously, you've got to read the rest of um, chapter 5 to really get the context here. I'm hopeful that you've read chapter 5 before. Chapter 5 is an incredible passage in the book of Romans. We're not going to do that right now, but we're going to jump into it just to show you something. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For we have been united Together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, and this is something we should know, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we shall no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. Let me stop right there. Obviously, we use this passage as a way to, you know, talk about baptism sometimes. But again, baptism is an outer expression of what's happened internally, Right? We do this publicly, and we get baptized because we're revealing something that happened to us. And one of the main things he's revealing here is that you died. And this is so important because if you're not, in a sense, celebrating your death, if you're not really appreciating the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to bring you to a place of death, 
man, you're never going to really pursue the life that God has for you. It's very, very important here. I mean, Jesus literally does, it says, in the likeness, he says, in verse 5, it says, for we have been united together in the likeness of his death. When Jesus died on that cross, you died with him. That's what it's basically saying. Now, again, you may not understand this, but I'm believing the Holy Spirit is going to show you this, right? Because sometimes these things go over our heads. God, in his incredible way, has taken us, our old man, the very thing that opposes the will of God that cannot please God and has put it to death on the cross. Doing us a tremendous favor. Because again, we would not have chosen this path. We probably would have tried to be good people because that's what a lot of people are trying to do right now, right? They're trying to be good people and trying to figure things out in their own strength, not understanding that God dealt with the very thing that opposed you, that opposed God. This death that took place was a miracle, really. It's something that we should celebrate because we're like, man, God, you, because I'm, I'm dead, now I don't have to have confidence in that. And it's going to begin a searching out. Like it says, your life is hidden in Christ, so now I turn my affections, my pursuit to find out where my life is. It's in Christ. Because there's a reality that must stri- strike our hearts where we say, hey, man, that old life is over. And now I'm going to begin this pursuit to find my life in Jesus. This is why this is so important. Foundationally, when you, remember the Bible says you're a new creation. There's a whole new set of rules. There's a whole new set of everything that comes along with you being born again. And this is only possible because God set it up so that to a place where you would die. And now you would begin this pursuit. The gospel is incredible. It does things for us that we can never do for our own. And this is just one of the things highlighting that. Okay? So, the old man has been put away. And it says in verse 7, For he who has died has been freed from sin. The power of sin now is broken off your life. You're not bound to it anymore because you're dead. Now, the reason why some people struggle with the sin still is because they still live in a certain way that gives sin power over them. And this is why he goes on to say in verse 12, therefore, do not let sin, I'll go back to verse 11, excuse me. It says, likewise, also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust. Sin has lust. Therefore, do not let it reign in your mortal body that you should not obey in its lust. And do not present yourselves as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. For sin should not have dominion over you. Isn't there a parallel passage in Genesis that talks about that? Anybody want to quote it? Genesis? Want to quote it? Extra points, you get a donut or something. Is it when God spoke to Abel saying that sin was searching, it's for you, but you must master it or something like that? Has, its desire is for you. That's extra credit. You can. <laughs> its desire is for you. 
you should master it, right? So God puts us in a position that the very thing, sin, that was mastering us, the only way it can master us, the only way it can really master you is if you're alive. Listen closely. The only way it can master you is if you're alive. And God says, I'm going to do you a favor and kill you. <laughs> is somebody getting this right now? Come on, somebody. This guy has the biggest smile on his face. It must, this must be for you, brother. <laughs> there, there, there is something about the gospel so awesome. Listen, God is amazing that he would take the time. And even the Old Testament reveals a lot of this. That God is going to say, I'm after that old man and I'm going to kill it. And when that man, old man is killed, now you're going to have the freedom, the power over sin. Because now as you pursue your life in Jesus, because of that pursuit, you're going to be empowered every time you pursue Jesus. Every time you seek him out. That's why you can't separate the word of God from Jesus. Why do you think the devil tries to get you off the word? Because every time you get away from the word, something else inside of you comes alive that's dead. You start to think that you're going to find your life somewhere else. Oh, yeah, I, I'll find another life. No, you're dead. It, that's over with. It's, like he says, it's buried, right? I mean, we went through these recent terrible situations the last two weeks where a lot of people around us, even like, obviously, we talked about Pastor Steve, a great friend and mentor of, of some folks here, died. And we went to the wake, and it was, it was rough, but there was still the part where he needed to be buried. Like, that was, like, the real, like, end point where it's over. Like, when you see that casket go down and you know it's, it really is over. Like, even though he's been dead for, you know, how long, there's something about being buried that speaks of something. Right? Well, that old man died and he was buried with all of your sins. With all of the mess that you had, it was buried. Right? It's out of sight. You don't see that anymore. God doesn't see it anymore. It's over. And that's why we have to be people of the word. Because we're going to find our life in Christ, it says. If you're not in the word of God, and even John 1 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The reason why he becomes flesh is because now we have something to look at, to pursue, so that we can find ourselves in him. Not in this world, not in your own neighborhood, not in some association, but in Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one who had the power to put that old man to death. Only one who was willing to drag that old man to the cross. I'm going to drag you to that cross because you're not going to go there. I'm going to bring you along with me. And when I die, you die. But when I get raised, you get raised. When I get resurrected, you get resurrected. Oh, shakabunky. Doesn't end with the death. There's something that's happening, a progression that God is saying. And listen, I'm bringing you to a place. The Bible says the law is the, the Christ is the end of the law. Christ brings you to that place where you're like, I'm, I am dead. I, I'm confessing it. I'm actually celebrating this death. Have you gone to a funeral and celebrated? I've been to some weird funerals where there was, one side of the group was born again and the other side was not born again. 
these people were in misery. These people were dancing and did like this. Is, it was just a weird scene, but it just reminded me of the importance of what you believe. Like, they know that life doesn't end there. They think life has ended. So even while we're alive, right, while we're here, our death is not the end. We celebrate our death because of what it's leading towards. Resurrection power in your life. The life of Jesus Christ. Remember, Adam was a, a, a living being, but the Bible says Jesus was a life-giving spirit. What do you think he's doing with you? He wants to release his life through you, but that death must come first. You got to confess that. I died. And that's why, because I died, I'm going to look to you, Jesus, to find my life. This is a basic foundational devotional thing you can do every day. In the mornings, you can wake up and say, I died. My life is over. That old man is buried. But thank God I can find my new life in Jesus Christ. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul has been given a grace to unpack these wonderful mysteries of the gospel. He's obviously written this letter to the Corinthians. This is a powerful passage because he's unpacking something about this reality that we're talking about out of an Old Testament context. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to break into verse 2. It says, You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not by ink, with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And we, such, and we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, dead men, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us as sufficient ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So... The law does something very wonderful for us. <laughs> the law is coming to kill, but the Spirit gives life. Now, he's like, okay, I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to break it down a little bit more for you guys in case you don't understand. And he goes into verse 7. But if the ministry of death, how many of you have celebrated the ministry of death before? And said, so, man, thank God for the ministry of death. The ministry of death. Written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Now, this is, he's talking about a passage in Exodus 34 where Moses goes up to the mountain for 40 days. He ain't eating, he ain't drinking. Moses is like, man, he's a beast. He's up there with God. God's giving him the new set of Ten Commandments. Because when Moses came down originally from the mountain, the people had made the golden calf. They were being idolatrous. And he smashed them. So he said, hey, God called him up and said, come back up here. I'm going to give you a new set. Right? So as he's coming down, the people of Israel see his face glowing. They're like, what's going on here? What's happening? 
And the Bible says they were afraid to look at him. So Moses had to put a veil over his face because they just would not, they could not look at him. They were afraid. Now, it says that this ministry of death <laughs> was glorious. But it was a ministry that was passing away. It wasn't going to last forever. There was glory in it. It was awesome. But it was passing away because it wasn't the finished product. God was leading them to something else, something more awesome. Verse 8, how will the ministry of the Spirit be more glorious? Wait a minute. He says here, how will the ministry of the Spirit? So he's he's making a difference between two ministries. One of death, which had glory, and one of the Spirit, which is going to be even more glorious. But the ministry of death is needed in order to bring us to a new glory. The ministry of death was required in order to bring us to a place of total dependence on the life-giving spirit. I hope some of you are following me here. For if the ministry, what does he call it now? The ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. So now he's using another term. He's saying this ministry is also called the ministry of condemnation. Praise the Lord. I hope you're edified by that. But think about it. Jesus says, right? Am I going to start one of those? Well, I'm actually in the midst of working one out right now. <laughs> because if we don't understand, this is all God. This is not like God had a bad moment in the Old Testament and said, hey, man, this is terrible. God is saying, listen, I'm going to even set up a ministry of death and condemnation to bring people out of their position into Christ. And this first ministry has glory, so much glory that Moses' face is shining. And the people are like, I can't look at that. Now think about it. When Jesus comes, the people can't really look at Jesus. They don't understand him. Something about Jesus is frightening to them. He's shaking everything up in their lives. He's a life-giving spirit amongst them. They're like, who is this guy? They're fearful. We'll unpack that a little bit more right now. Verse 11. For, no, verse 10. For even when what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. So he's saying even the glory before it is not even compared to this glory. This is way beyond it. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so the children of Israel could not look suddenly at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Okay, But even this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So, you know, last time we were here, Jeff spoke on Jesus coming and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? This turning away from confidence in ourselves, which the, the New Testament, the, the, the first century people had, they had an idea of who God was. Jesus comes and redefines that, and he says, you got to repent. you got to change your mind. 
So you see the element of repentance here. When they turned away and turned to God, the veil is taken away. When the veil is taken away, they can see Jesus clearly. They can behold him. And if you see Jesus clearly, something is happening to you. You're being what it says here. But with all, he says, no, I'll keep reading, opening back up. Now when the, where the Lord is, the, where the Spirit is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where he reigns, there's freedom. So again, when you were alive, sin reigned over you. You, you were being reigned. You were being punked. God says, okay, that can't continue to happen. I'm going to crucify that old man, and now I'm going to be in a position where I can reign over them. Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just by the Spirit of the Lord. So you see this important thing here. God, again, how we see the law in the scriptures is so important. The law has been misused for many, many millennia. Thousands of years, people have mistaken the law and have have abused it. And they don't understand what it was real purpose for. Now, right here in this particular passage, we're seeing that that letter was meant to kill any idea in your heart that you could be righteous on your own. Anything you can think of, say, I'm going to try to figure this out on my own. The law says, no, sir, that's not going to happen. Because remember, those tablets were just Ten Commandments. In just the Ten Commandments, it's saying you're in trouble, you're condemned, and you're dead. Because that's what the ministry is doing. It's a ministry of death, a ministry of condemnation. That is what's proclaiming. Even the Lord's Supper, when Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians, it talks about it, do this, proclaiming the Lord's death. Even in the supper, he's reminding us that death was the doorway to life. That we needed a death to happen. Not just Jesus' death. Because we could be like, oh, Jesus died for me. Oh, that's great. Hallelujah. He's so good. But there's a difference between saying Jesus died for me and you say, and I died with him. There's a difference. That's revelation. That opens the door for you to step into your life. Because if you think Jesus just died for you, then you're going to think you have options. Like, "Mm, that's awesome, Jesus. You're amazing. But when you realize, I died as well, and there's a ministry now set up for me to look like him for the rest of my life. He removes the veil so I can see him clearly and be like, oh, that's what I'm going to look like? Hallelujah, I'm down. I'm down. I'm going to look like that? I don't have to fear anymore. Because remember, the people of Israel were afraid. They were afraid of the glory of God. Jesus is the glory of God. He's the goodness of God personified in the flesh, resurrected, ascended. He is the king. He's alive. And now, instead of that veil, be like, what is, what's going on back there? Now that veil is gone. That veil is gone, and we see Jesus for who he is and what he's up to transforming you into his image. Come on now. We got to get the gospel right. We can't bootleg it because we don't want to conform. When the world is trying to conform you into his image, it happens through you acknowledging the death that has already happened. 
crucified, died. What does Paul say in Galatians 2.20? I have been crucified with Christ. Paul is receiving this kind of revelation and that kind of heart of a father. And he understands certain things that others don't understand because he's foundationally, he got it. Like, man, I died. I'm just going along with Jesus because my life is in him. There's no other way. When Think about it. In John 6, Jesus has, makes a mention of, you need to drink my blood. You need to eat my body. And the disciples are man, this is a hard saying, man. This is crazy. Like, who can understand this? So a group of them leave. And Jesus says to his disciples who remain, does this offend you? Where, are you going to leave too? And Jesus, and then Peter's like, no. We know that you are the son of the living God. We know that your words are spirit and they are life. Peter, somehow, along the way, and I'm sure it was the father who did this, convinced him that his life was tied to his words. His life was tied to what came out of Jesus' mouth. His life wasn't going to be found fishing, you know, being at the market. His life was going to be found in what Jesus had spoken. This could not be more important for us Especially as we go into this class, the kingdom of the gospel. As we go into identity stuff that we're going to do in October. We got to check our foundation. We got to make sure we understand what we're confessing. It's not just that Christ died. You died too. And you got to submit to that reality. Because as long as you think he just died, you will not be conformed. As a matter of fact, you'll become a mixture. A perversion of what God wants. Because you're going to still try through rules and things to try to look like Jesus. When God's like, no, that ain't going to happen. I specifically killed you so you would know it wouldn't happen that way. <laughs> I, I literally killed you so that you'd be convinced. I literally buried you so that you'd be convinced that there's no way that's going to happen. That's not going to happen. So I know me and Jeff joke around, like, sometimes how God tricked us to be elders of, you know, cross-culture. I think sometimes it's really funny how God, in a sense, without him revealing to us, he did this without telling us. Well, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to kill you, because then you won't trust me. You'll be all afraid. Like, what's going to happen? What? What are you going to do to me? No, I'm going to do it despite of you. I'm going to do it for you, because you're not going to understand this. Right? Just like those disciples in John 6. They didn't understand. Just because you don't understand doesn't mean you shouldn't believe. You don't have to understand to believe. You don't have to understand all of this. Even this message. I'm just speaking to you of reality that's happened to you. If you are born again. Remember, why did he say you must be born again? Because you're dead. You're not alive, you're not alive until the spirit comes inside of you, he says. You must be born again. It's interesting the parallels, right, we find in the scriptures. We see how Adam and Eve fell. They died, like God said. You died. But God provides something for them to be covered. So let's go back to Colossians 3. And we'll wrap it up with these passages here. Is something getting out of this tonight? Somebody getting something out of this? Listen, man, this is the doorway. As soon as I think I'm going to find out how to live through my own strength, I make a mess of myself. Can anybody testify that? 
As soon as I think I figured it out, like, I, I got this, Jesus. I think I know how to do this life thing apart from you. He's like, uh, don't do that. I'm going to have to come over and clean up your mess in a few minutes. Now, verse 5. Therefore, because of this reality, because you have died, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Don't let no one think that there isn't judgment coming. It's coming. In which you yourselves once walked in when you lived in them, when you were still alive. But you're not alive anymore because you died. <laughs> Remember, he's saying, but you got to read it again. In which, in which you yourselves once walked in when you lived in them. But that's over. Hallelujah. Verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free. But Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... Put on tender mercies. So now you got something to put on. Remember, if you provided skins for Adam and Eve, he provided clothes for them, he's also providing something for you now. Because remember, the thing about death, which is awesome, is that when someone dies, an inheritance is released. Part of your inheritance is having a whole new gear that you get to put on. Got some new clothes. They ain't hand-me-downs. They cost Jesus his life. But now you get to put those on. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Verse 14, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word and in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So verse 16, let's back up a little bit. Let the word of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Again, and again, the importance of you finding your life in God is through the word of God. Now, let me back it up again. It says teaching and admonishing one another. What does the word admonish mean? Anybody know what admonish means? What? It means rebuke. Basically. So literally, even through a song, because <laughs> it says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns. Even through a song, you get rebuked. Even through that song, stop fornicating. 
Stop, whatever. In, in the song, God is speaking to us. But why is it that we can be rebuked as his people and accept that from one another because we're dead? And dead men don't have any rights. Dead men are not offended. Even through a song that God speaks to you and rebukes you in, this is something we should be doing in our gatherings. A song will come forth, and someone's getting rebuked in that song. They're like this. And you're, and, you're, and you're realizing now you're in a kingdom culture. You're in a context where God's like, I'm not interested in offending you. I'm going to offend you because I love you. And because you're dead. And he is going to keep that. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a beautiful thing how God set it up. God... Through all of this, cause us to put on these new things that are in Jesus, right? These are all centered in Jesus. Putting on humility, putting on kindness, long-suffering, the patience, all that stuff. That's found in Jesus. That's what we can put them on, on a daily basis. We're not naked like Adam and Eve. We're not just running around, just, you know, without covering. We have something to put on every day. But that goes right back to, again, acknowledging that we died, and that's what we need him. We need to pursue him in a different way. You're not going to find your life somewhere else. God made it so. He made it so. Okay? So I encourage you guys to read Exodus 34, verse 16. There's other things there that can really speak to us that are warnings. I wish I had more time. But Exodus 34 talks about a few things. Uh, it talks about keeping the feasts, right? The feasts in the Old Testament were a beautiful way for us to be reminded of God's faithfulness and who we are. He talks about not making covenants with other people in the land. Don't compromise, right? So all these things are set up because he's saying all these other ways are you trying to find your life outside of Christ, so in the Old Testament, he kind of opens it up a little bit more. He's like, hey, listen, don't do these things because you're going to try to find your life in these things, and it's not going to be there. It's going to be a waste of your time. It's through the Spirit. It's through the acknowledging that, man, Lord, if we're going to be the people you've called us to be, to look like Jesus Christ, this must be a daily confession for us. Paul says, I die daily. There's other things in the Scriptures that talk about his perspective on death. Death, our death, even it says in Ecclesiastes, the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Like literally, some people can interpret it in a certain way, but I view it as I thank God I died that day 21 years ago. I thank God that he put a sword to me and I died. Because out of that death, now I began this pursuit for the last 22 years to know Jesus Christ. And I'm still knowing him. I'm still being conformed. But I'm the proof in the pudding. And so are you of God's glory. So make no mistake. You going back, like Jesus says, remember Lot's wife? Shakabunky. Remember what she did. She looked back and she said, my life is over back there. I think if I go back, I'm going to find my life. And God's like, no, no, sister. Boom, you're a pillar of salt. Yeah, that's crazy. But it's speaking of something spiritual, right? It's speaking of something that what happens when we turn back to those things that God has called dead? It's, 
There's nothing there for us. And I encourage you guys as we step into this fall that, man, you really renew your heart over the Word of God. I know some of you guys have read this book back and forth, but it's still speaking. It's still alive. And, man, you, if you can pray into that reality that you're dead and that their life is sitting in Christ, I believe God's going to give you a hunger and thirst for his word like never before. That spirit is going to give you life, and it's going to be, again, released to others. You're going to see God moving. You may not be able to explain everything he's doing, but that's not the goal. It's not for you to get all the, you know, checks and, you know, that's not the goal. You're not going to explain why God healed this person and doesn't heal this other person. You're not going to be able to explain that. You just want to position yourself so that that's, that ministry of the Spirit is operating in your life. That's what you want. That's what we all want. Okay? So I'm praying now. And if you want some prayer over this, I want to encourage you to come forward. Because I know that, again, it is a struggle. We don't want to be like the children of Israel who just were afraid of God's glory. They were afraid of what God can do with someone when they're in God's presence. Some people are not going to understand you, and some people are going to be afraid of you. I'm sure some of you can testify that you walk into a room because you're carrying God's presence, and people are like, I'm out the door. They're walking out because there's something on you that they just can't receive. They, they're afraid of. But thank God that we in this room can understand that that ministry of death, the condemnation, was glorious. It was meant to bring you to the end of yourself.